Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and wellstarthealth.com. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a nimble and natural life. Hi, this week is the return of Josh Lajani. Gosh, this is his fourth or fifth appearance on the podcast. As many of you know, he's my business partner at Wellstart Health and a really good friend and mentor. He was up in North Carolina. We were in my little shed studio recording a whole bunch of videos for Wellstart Health. And we took a break, sat down, turned the camera and the microphone on us and had a conversation. And the conversation was about nature. Josh grew up in nature in the bayou of South Louisiana. He was a hunter, a fisher. Um, and in order to do those things well, he had to be very attuned to the cycles of nature, to the clues that nature leaves all around, and to the various ways that human beings are integrated into nature and separate from it, and how we navigate that dance to stay alive and to find meaning and joy and purpose in our lives. We talked about both sides of nature, the, the lovely, beautiful side, as we were looking out the window of my office onto a gorgeous magnolia tree, onto a blackberry patch, a raspberry patch, to the frogs and the rabbits all around us, and also to uh, nature's harsh, ugly, uncomfortable side, dangerous side, and how we can't have one without the other, and the relationship of our lifestyle to this dance with nature, to uh, the ultra running, the long hours and days in nature in which you don't get to choose whether the weather is beautiful, calm, friendly, or ugly, tempestuous, and threatening. And what this does for the human animal and what this does for our happiness and our health and our society to to be connected with nature or to be illusorily, but still separate from it. Three quick announcements before we get to the conversation. Number one, Well Start Health is starting new cohorts every couple of weeks now. If you are ready to turn your life around to embrace a plant based lifestyle and get coaching and support on all the aspects of lifestyle medicine, from sleep to stress to movement to social engagement to the nature fix to plant-based living, um, check it out, wellstarthealth.com slash program. Second thing, we're going to be starting up a new coach training in September. If you would like to become a health coach or you're already a health coach and are a little bit frustrated that the tools you learned in coach training are not allowing you to get predictable, big results with clients, then I would invite you to join us at wellstartcoach.com. Read all about it and you can sign up for an enrollment interview. Um, we're going to be starting our biggest and best cohort yet in mid-September 2019. And finally, I'm thrilled to announce that as of this morning... Josh's mother and brother, Ramona and Dustin Lajani's cookbook, Pure Ambrosia, Lajani Family Traditions Recreated for Health and Longevity, is available as a paperback 
on Amazon. Just search for the title Pure Ambrosia and you'll be able to find it and buy the book so that you can have it in your kitchen and recreate the down home dishes of Mississippi and Louisiana uh, as expertly recreated these classic Southern recipes for longevity, for health. They did not have a roadmap for how to do this. It took years of experimentation to get the roux right, to get the gumbo right, to get the jambalaya right, uh, the fish sticks, so that they are not only whole food plant based compliant, but also really delicious and authentic. So whether it's for you and your nostalgia or to help other people start to make this transition without feeling like they have to give up on their culture, check out Pure Ambrosia, the paperback. And also, let's see if we can get them some reviews, give them some Amazon love. All right. So it's time for the interview with Josh Lajani. And remember, this was uh, recorded on video as well. And if you'd like to watch it, you can check us out on YouTube, which you can find. You can find the YouTube link at plantyourself.com slash three two eight, which is the home of this interview on the Internet. All right. So without further ado, here's the conversation between me and Josh Lajani all about nature. Hey, well, welcome to North Carolina, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So we've been uh, we've been here. We've recorded twenty well start videos. We sure did. Um, Pat on my back. Yeah, you did. You, too. you did great. I just I just push buttons. <laughs> You're the talent today. Um, but it's funny, like we got uh, you know we've talked about a lot of different themes and sort of like you know priming the pump. Like it's different from you being at home and having an idea and wanting to talk about something. Right, okay, right, let's, exactly. Let's put, let's put 20 in a row. Right, it's, it's trickier. It's trickier. But luckily, you know, I'm passionate about all of these things that we're talking about. So um, there's a lot to be said, whether whether it feels uh, forced or it's off the cuff. Um, I'm always passionate about it. Yeah. yeah, but what's interesting, though, is like when we do 20... Yeah, you sort of run out of the things you think about, and so it, like it's almost like like deeper stuff. Yeah, that's it true. Can, it has been like really cool things, right? And so one one of the things that's sort of coming up was like our relationship to nature. Yeah, uh, I, just, I just scratched my giant arm. So yeah. I have a relationship with nature because I got stung <laughs> by a wasp two days ago, and this, yeah. this thing looks like like a bloated yeah. sausage. Oh, you got a Shrek elbow. <laughs> <laughs> but we're like here in the little, you know. And surrounded by woods, there was, you were commenting on the magnolia tree. For sure, yeah. And like nature itself, the 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 like, I'm just looking around and you feel there's there's clovers and weeds and things that are dead and 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 tall grasses and trees. Like nature, so complex and infinite and interesting and unforgiving. You know, it's just really cool to be in nature because for me, whether you're talking about a mountain vista or being out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, anything that makes you feel, it may sound counterintuitive, but anything that makes you feel so infinitesimal, I think is very humbling and therefore very useful to you in your growth process like to understand you must be humbled to surrender to nature's will and to understand how powerful nature is it helps to be overwhelmed by her regularly well and i'm struck by like how how weird this conversation would have been for most of human history right (laughs) Right, like you have to surrender to the sun going up in the morning and coming down at night. And, right, yeah. You know, and so, the fact that you you're biologically predisposed to eating largely a plant based diet, you know. Right. That, that that the idea that you know, like it'd be like talking to the fish about you really should pay more attention to the ocean, and the grandeur of the ocean. <laughs> it's like that's all. That's all there is. Right. Exactly. Is this is this grandeur? But we we've created a society in which. I think I think it's an illusion, right? But illusorily, we st- we are outside of nature. Yeah, totally. That's our fatal flaw. I think we don't see ourselves as part of this beautiful ebb and flow of happy and sad and 
pleasure and pain and all of these things that are part of nature. We want only the good stuff. We want to get rid of the antimicrobes. We want to get rid of, you know, all of the the inflammation and pain that we feel. We want to get rid of all of the unnecessary walking. We want to get rid of all of these things, you know, uh, that make us part of nature instead of embracing the complexity of nature through embracing the complexity of our bodies. Yeah. I mean, you know, like guilty. Like mm-hmm. we have a garden. We just put, finished putting a fence around the garden. Right. So we definitely want to keep some bad stuff out of the garden. Sure. We weed the beds, uh-huh. right? So we're, we want to keep the good plants that are going to feed us delicious stuff and want to get rid of the other stuff. That sure. Is, you know, useless to us. I so you know, after that wasp stung me, I went and found his little nest and I knocked it off the, <laughs> the beam. Like what's, you know, like every creature wants to, you know, be, be in a, a benevolent environment. What's the difference between, you know, the, the pursuit of well-being and this step crossing the line too far to, like, separate ourselves? Yeah, that's a really awesome question. I don't know. It's, it's, that's very complex. You know, because it's a dance. Like what we talk about with injury all the time when we talk about people getting started with movement. Like, you know, you would, I could argue that your situation out here is is very um although it seems controlled and you have the thing the fence and everything it's it's very it's very organic and a lot of surrender has gone into this we were talking about the bees earlier you know um we were talking about the deer yes you put up a yes you put up a fence but what if it doesn't work what if rabbits still get in this is just a thing that you're trying you're still surrendering to the power of nature. You're trying to mitigate as much as you can. But you're not really wishing to make her irrelevant. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like, we often do that, I feel like, at the doctor's offices. We're really trying to make Mother Nature irrelevant by being so specific and black and white about what we tell people is wrong with them and what they need to do to get better. Take this, schedule this um, this procedure, we'll remove that, we'll cauterize that, we'll poison that with chemicals, we'll cut that off, all of these things. And that's not what I feel like you have going on here. You you it's 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 almost like a um, a step with not a step without. Mm. Step with moving in. Step with Mother Nature, instead of trying to eschew everything she's trying to point out to you. Mm. And you know, in the same way, you could you could say that all those elements of medicine have their place, mm-hmm. right? Like if I needed one of those treatments, yeah. you know, I like you know, bring it on. No, I'm not. I'm not so at one with nature that I don't want no you know, right. to kill the the bacterium that's gonna kill me or something that's exactly um, right but I guess what you're saying is that it, it, it's trying to make nature irrelevant by by removing our responsibility to live according to nature like we can break all of nature's rules about how to eat how to move how mm-hmm. to be on this planet because we have this anti-nature technology that mm-hmm. can that can mitigate all of the natural consequences yes that's exactly right we can move we can do everything it takes to kill this organism and stay alive because of some inventions that we have as human beings. If it'd be up to nature, we'd be dead. A ton of us would be. Think about how cholesterol medicine allows a person to eat or how insulin allows a person to eat. Think about all of these inputs that allow us to stay alive when nature is trying to put us down because we're doing it wrong. And that that speaks to me. That speaks to me. Yes, we need 
yes, we need help, and these technologies are wonderful in acute scenarios and situations. Um, but I think trying to get ahead of the curve and that, that oh, better safe than sorry mentality, and when it comes to intervening into this system of systems, I think we do it too much, way too much. And the trick is, it's a very profitable thing to do to be safer than sorry to mm. stay ahead of the curve to get your screening and make sure we get things caught early all of these things yeah well it's also it's so being you know, better safe than sorry is like we don't trust nature mm -hmm. right so we have we have to override it right. and then, you know and, you know you you grow up in the country, very much immersed in nature and its sounds and smells and tastes and feels. Right. Um, I grew up in the suburbs and it's taken me a while to be, you know, out here and feel comfortable and go camping and things. But, you know, when we look at our culture, we want to be 72 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, 38% relative humidity all the time. If we, you know, if you, if you actually bump into someone at the airport or something, there's you yeah. know, someone's, someone's going to flinch. I don't want to experience the first tinge of hunger ever, right? Yeah, because yeah, you know, we, don't, we don't trust how nature makes us feel. But as we walked back, you like looked at, the, you know, you went and got your phone to take a picture of the magnolia flower. And you're like, this is yeah. amazing. It is. It is phenomenal when you allow yourself. It's like we've been drawing trees with crayons on construction paper since we were kids. But that's not a tree. <laughs> it still doesn't make it a tree. The tree itself is uncopyable. We don't know how to do trees. We don't know how to do that, you know? And I would argue that it may be proving in large part that we don't we don't know how to grow human health either. We gotta let nature do that. We just provide her with what she needs. You know, um, we can make temporary outcomes do certain things, just like we can cut a limb here, we can we can prune a blossom here and manipulate that tree to do what we want. We can do the same thing with the human body, I think. But when it comes to creating that thing, we have been created. And we are stewards of that wonderful creation. You know, we're not creating anything ourselves. All right. And you know, we talk about the way we're separating ourselves from nature. I'm mm -hmm. thinking about you know, two weeks ago I released a podcast with uh, Philip Shepard who wrote Radical Wholeness, mm -hmm. and this this idea of like, and he talks about a tree, and because we all think of ourselves as sort of individual, unique, you know, entities, mm -hmm. and it's like think of a tree. Where does the tree end? The roots go down into the ground, they draw moisture and nutrients, uh, minerals from the soil. When, are they, when do those become part of the tree? When are they not? The tree respires, mm -hmm. it puts out oxygen, it takes in. And it's like, when you look at the tree, it's only the, the limited human attention span that makes it look like a thing as opposed to a process. Right, yes. And... I've been thinking a lot that about, beautiful. like, what if I'm a process? Yeah. And, you know, and when you freeze frame me, I look like a guy. <laughs> but really, like, everything, every cell in my body is going to be somewhere else. Yes. The oxygen I breathe in today came from somewhere. Someone else is going to breathe it some other time. Mm -hmm. You know, um, my piss and shit is going to grow things. It's going to stay here. All the elements that make us up aren't going anywhere. Yeah. You know, I... That thinking of myself as a process, like I don't know exactly how to explain it, but there's something about like when a process goes awry, lots of things can go wrong. Like it feels like there's there's more of a there's more at stake to kind of to get the process right. Right. There's like it would be like in a pond, like if you you saw these big, these concentric rings on a pond, and you're like, wow, I wonder how they got each one of those rings like that. You know, that's how we think, instead of just dropping a pebble in there, and realize that one simple act created those, this wonderful pattern mm. that you're admiring. But you're thinking about it wrong. 
You're wondering how to create all those circles and all of those waves. You don't realize that it's just a, that will do it. Right? And I feel like that's where we are a lot of times. We want to recreate that idea without really understanding where it all starts, where it's, you know, what seeds it. That very simple touch of Mother Nature. What that reminds me of is um, there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, of nature that's sort of fractal. Mm-hmm. It's got mm-hmm. these, these patterns and you, know, you can think of it like pine cones or like that uh, Romanescu cauliflower with yeah. the sw- yeah, yeah, swirls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just, we look at that and we're like, we're, it's like we're hardwired to appreciate the beauty. Yeah. And we are trying to, you know, as art, human artists, we're trying to recreate beauty. And I read that, like, you know, Jackson Pollock, um, his paintings are like fractal. Like when you analyze them scientifically, they're kind of the same ratios and patterns of uh-huh. nature. And we know, like, he did it not by, like, pointillistically putting it everything. He just threw buckets of paint at canvases and, like, rolled around on it. <laughs> like, like, that's, you know, and people look at his stuff and, well, like, a kid could do that. Anyone, you know. <laughs> yeah. But like what what I see in his work is a surrendering to natural processes rather than the need to control every uh, drop of paint. Yes, yes, a healthy lifestyle is art. You know, it's art. It's not algebra. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard for people who are really good at algebra. Hmm. To surrender their box-checking prowess and become an artist. You know, it's very difficult. It doesn't mean it's impossible. But that is that is a thing that I've noticed over and over. Is people who cling to the A or the idea of doing it quote-unquote right have trouble... Surrendering enough to become a rough-around-the-edges artist who can create art with their life. Yeah, and I, I feel this when I do martial arts because the martial art that I do is all about mm-hmm. you know, surrender to ease. Right. Right, so if someone, if I, you know, my reaction to a threat is to brace. And that's, you know, it does a whole bunch of things. At first, it, it uh, you know diminishes my range of motion it diminishes mm-hmm. my freedom it also tells you exactly where i am you can you can sense you know yeah. every single motion as opposed to a more fluid state right. but 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 why, why why do we hold on to this when it's only going to get us into trouble because it's what we know yeah you know so if, I, if i'm separate from my own natural movement i don't trust it the same way as we're, we're separate from nature and we don't trust it because we're you know it's like we it's like trying to put, push down on an imaginary gas pedal. You just don't believe it's there. So right. I don't think it's going to take you anywhere. Right. Right. It's, um... Yeah. It's very... I don't know. It's just... It's, it's a lot of moving parts and pieces, just like in nature. It's just a lot going on. There's... And then, you know, there's the mindset, there's this, this, this desire to spill it all out on the table and look at it and put it all in its place where it's supposed to go. And then there's people like myself who just go, ah, leave it just like that. Can't we appreciate the beauty of how it fell? <laughs> look at it. Wow, that's nice. And now look at all the time we have <laughs> to appreciate other beautiful things. You know, so yes, I have weighed 420 pounds at one time in my life. And yes, I have hurt myself running as part of moving out of that style of living. And yes, now I have extra skin and stretch marks and all of that stuff. But rather than me obsess granularly over how to correct all of that, Wouldn't it 
serve me better, to spend a lot more energy appreciating the beauty of what it is in its current state. That is a lot more difficult, no doubt, but I think it's also a lot easier um, to be happy when you do that. You know, if you think about like, um, oh shoot, I'm drawing a blank. I had a quote on my head that I wanted to, that that, that I was reminded of and I forgot. <laughs> yeah. It'll come back if it wants sure. to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, so, you know so trusting. I was, I lost what I was going to say too. Yeah. <laughs> um, Everybody forget what they're going to say. Yeah. Do you guys remember where we were, <laughs> where we were going? Well, so let's, let's, uh, let's apply this mm-hmm. to, uh, to health and lifestyle. So how does, you know, this is all like, you know, flowery words about nature. What does it, right. what does it mean day to day? It's simpler to me. That's what it means. Be a lot simpler. Nature, while complex in a infinite universe of systems of systems, it's still very fractal. It's still very simple in its most basic component parts. It's doing some very simple things over and over and over again until infinity. And I think that we do the exact opposite of that in our in our chosen styles of living. And so an example of that might be for me, like, so people, you know, you tell them a plant-based diet or you say, eat healthier and cut out meat or dairy or whatever. You tell them that carbs aren't, aren't, aren't evil. And you tell them it's okay to eat potatoes. And, and so... Average person goes, oh, potatoes, okay, so french fries are okay, potato chips okay? What about potatoes au gratin? Well, you see how silly these questions can be when, if we think simpler, we think more in line. We just see the potato. We don't see all the adulterations that man has created of the potato. And it's a lot less complicated when we're not confused by a potato. Right? Because we understand the beauty of that re a potato is magic food. It's magic. You cut that up. And it grows more potatoes. <laughs> right? So who cares why? Who cares how? Who cares about all of that? <laughs> That's our food. We eat magic food. <laughs> you know? I, I, re- I remember when we started, we decided we were going to plant potatoes. And I, I realized I had no idea how you grow potatoes. And we went to, to get uh, the seed stock yeah. from the farm store. And it was like, but this is a bag of potatoes. <laughs> yeah. What's, you made a mistake. You didn't sell me the seeds. No, I want to grow potatoes, sir. No, <laughs> no this is... Potatoes are magic, Jack. <laughs> Here's your magic beans, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, then we just, we just had a giant lunch of the, the zucchini, the summer squash. Right, we were talking about that, right? Yeah. Right, like, talk, talk, talk all, about that. All simple, one seed from one squ- grows a squash plant that will literally reproduce thousands upon thousands of seeds from all of the different squash it's going to it's gonna make. That's amazing to me. I don't know how it works. I don't need to. I don't need to dig down into that. I need to go... Thank you, nature. This is beautiful. And just like Nia has done, I would love to learn how to manipulate that plant to help it have set the table for it to make the most squash possible for me. You know, I understand that part. Yes, of course. But when it comes to what's in that seed, and let's make one of those seeds that unfolds into a squash plant that makes we have to surrender to the fact that even though we've been to the moon and we're about to have flying cars and we have the internet and all of that stuff, we don't know the first thing about creating a seed that will turn into a plant. That's magic. And it's okay to surrender to magic and let it be what it is. Put that magic in your body. Yeah. And move on with your life. Go for a run. (laughs) Read a book. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that that brings up for me is like the difference between the way Mia gardens 
and you know there's plenty of companies and sure growing squash in ways that I would consider unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're they're focusing on the thing, not again, not the process. Correct. Like for for us, the process, you know, the, the thing we're going for is a vibrant soil ecosystem. Yeah. As opposed to the squash, like the squash. Is as opposed a, to squash per acre. Right. Yeah, as opposed to the squash itself. It's like we're, we're mm-hmm. growing soil. We're trying to grow earthworms. Sure. And if we grow earthworms, then everything else yeah, comes. Gro- it medium. The growth medium is what's most important. Right. So we're, we're trying to throw the pebble. Sure. Instead of trying to uh, mold, Recreate mold the, the centric right, cycle. Right. That's, yeah, exactly. So how do we do this in our, in our health, in our, in our lives? By, by doing some very difficult, simple things, you know? Um, Eating a lot simpler. Eating a hell of a lot simpler. Thinking about behaving like animals in the wild behave. They're not, you know... They're not meal planning. They're not prepping. They're eating what's... A, they're eating their biologically appropriate diet. The difference between us and animals is... Our path of least resistance in the food world will bring us to heart disease and diabetes and obesity. So we have to do the exact opposite. We have to we have to go against what the path of least resistance is. Trust me, if the squirrels had a whole pile of bird seed to eat instead of nuts, that's what they're going to do. Hmm. That's what they that has nothing to do with nature though. That I mean that 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 pile of bird seed wasn't put there by nature. So it's about being able to even though we have the availability of these things we call ourselves the smartest animals on the planet. It's about having the ability to recognize um, the bird seed and opt for the nuts that we have to crawl up and down trees to collect anyway. Does that make sense at all? Like, so we have to we have to consciously, even though the animal inside of us, the squirrel inside of us, that's really drawn to the passive path of least resistance for all of its morsels of food, even though that animal is drawn to Taco Bell or Burger King because it's easiest, that animal is going to thrive off of the life it would have had to live if that wasn't available. Just like just like the squirrels and the rabbits and the deers and the birds thrive. So for me, I'm trying to bring wildness into my body by eating plants. And that's very simple. That's not well, what's the recipe for that? <laughs> right? Potatoes. Eat a potato, eat some rice, eat some beans, these very simple one ingredient meals. And I, you know, coming back to this idea of process rather than entity. Mm-hmm. So if, the, if we see the squirrel as an entity, and then it, you know, and we give it this weird diet, then it's going to get sick and obese and do sure. all the things we do. But if you see the squirrel as part of its ecosystem, as part, the, the squirrel node of the process of nature, yeah, then if it's in right relation with the right other nodes, yeah. then it it follows its internal rules path of least resistance caloric density eat it bury it find it later sure those rules work if it's in right relationship with other processes that's that's yes exactly and if you don't like another fun thought experiment that i've done when i think of myself as an animal is i think of myself in a zoo (laughs) if i was in a zoo regardless of what's available to the human animal to eat. If I was in a zoo, what would that biologist, what would that zoologist in charge of me feed me? And so that's always been a fun one for me to think about in my head is like, if a, you know, unbiased third party who knew the human, knew human biology and was put in charge of feeding this human food to keep it in peak physical condition, so people don't come look at it and go, oh my God, what's wrong with their human? It's so gross. <laughs> you know? What would he feed that human? And that's, that's, you know, I'll have trouble imagining that he's going to be taking the steaks from the lion and throwing it in the human enclosure. Right. Well, and if you think about it that way, I have trouble thinking that he's going to actually get, deliver the food to the human. 
if you want them to be in peak physical shape, you give them a habitat where they where have to they, go. Correct. They have to go expend the calories to get mm-hmm. the food. Or just like they do in the primate habitats, is they go plant food places, you know. But it's not, it's not Skittles and hamburgers. They plant in the primate habitats. They put in bananas and they make they put and sort of orangutans have to climb up the pole to go get them or whatever. It's to try to mimic that that mimicry. We can do that. We can be our own zoologists. And we can we can feed ourselves. We can be we can be the human in our own human habitat, and we can live that thought experiment out. I do it all the time. I, I, I often think of myself as that, you know, that animal. It's useful. The other the other thing I want to talk about around nature is that the. The sport you've chosen. That's a terrible word yeah, for, right. for what you do, which is, mm-hmm. you know, long runs. Right. Um, puts you in nature. It does. And it puts you in nature, not in like two hour intervals where we can get the, the ideal light and right. heat and humidity <laughs> right. and terrain. Right, like so. My sport is ultimate frisbee. So uh-huh. I will go if it's raining. They won't play because we don't want us to dig up the field. <laughs> right, right. If it's you know, we try to we set the game so it's not going to be too hot. We do it during the day when the sun is you know. Yeah. And and we're on grass that's uh-huh. been you know fascistically cut so that every one of them is a, is a little stormtrooper at the exact <laughs> same height. Right. But your relationship with nature as an ultra runner, yeah, and mine. Is sure. is um, is far more at its mercy, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if that's like what that does to you for you. Yeah, well, it it does that not only spatially and visually, like depending on the different geographic location where you're in this physical space of nature and you're dealing with the elements you're dealing with you know, the cold or the heat or the rain or the mountains or the muddy wood trails. But also, because of the time spent out there, you're dealing with nature in a whole different way. You're dealing with what nature provides to most animals that we hardly ever experience, which is, is, is scarcity. Like, inside of our bodies, we're, at a, we have, we're experiencing severe caloric scarcity. We cannot, no matter how many gels we take, keep up. And so that experience inside of my body, those feelings, those sensations of exhaustion and taking the next step anyway, that's a whole different part of nature. Like, we often talk about nature and the greens, the green leaves and the... And the petals on the flowers and the air and the and, and breeze and rain and all of that stuff but we forget that part of nature that, that part that hurts the sting of a wasp right that's all part of it it all goes together um and my sport ultra our sport ultra running not only does it put you in the elements of the physical elements of, of nature at large but it reintroduces you to that exhaustion of what fighting for your life almost every day most likely was like that can't be bad for you. It must be wonderful for you to bounce off of those feelings of scarce, very, you know, bleak conditions or circumstances to be able to bounce off of that and 24 hours later, look back at it and go, wow, I made it through that. I am powerful. I am growing. I am learning. I'm living. So it's not just races to me. It's that. It's, it's not just nature's beauty looking at it. It's that. It's the ugly part, too. It's the painful part, too. It's that that you then carry with you into the world. Nobody has to know it. Nobody else can feel it, but you do. And you know, I've been through some shit. I'm powerful. I can feel my own agency. That, you know, that is useful. That is useful. And it has been for me, for sure. It's like um, you know, my uh, my daughter did a uh, a series of 
survival camps uh-huh. and very informal no I didn't sign any you know <laughs> waivers or anything it was just nothing this nothing you could sign as you're going right. out in nature but right. you know she finished and she she knows I, I could live in the woods like you know more or less indefinitely she knows what to eat she knows how to make shelter she knows how to find clean water yeah. and it was like when she came back she realized she was freer in our society than she had been before. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we've said, like, you know, the, the civilization is three meals away from, you know, yeah. chaos. Yeah. Because we're all sucking at the teat of the industries that we think are uh, required for our survival. Sure. Like, what if the supermarket runs out of electricity? What if the roads are cut off? Right? We're going to die. Yeah. And, you know, the ability to, first of all, recognize that scarcity is natural and that we can survive it mm-hmm. for periods of time mm-hmm. um, gives gives you for, you know the freedom to not be so worried about it and it also gives you a, a feeling of gratitude yes when you do have it mm-hmm. like if you've never been hungry it's really hard to be grateful mm. for food me and BJ, my wife, did a 10-day water fast. No, 7-day water fast. And we broke the 7-day water fast with some fresh-cut mango from Whole Foods. I almost cried. It was so delicious. And that that experience there was like, oh, scarcity is very useful. Scarcity is beautiful. Scarcity is beautiful because it, it, it guards against... Um, you know, taking things for granted, I think. And this is something I got from the Radical Wholeness book, and I had, mm-hmm. you know, was talking to him about it. That he says, like, the, the gratitude is the opposite of entitlement, hmm. and like that really hit me because the way I used to eat. So everything in sight, it's got to be the way I want it, and it's got to be the most delicious. Sure. Like, I didn't like Hunt's ketchup. I only like Heinz. Only Heinz. Right? right. Like, stuff like that. Like, you know, having such high standards mm-hmm. of... And what it, what it felt like was, like, if that's entitlement. Like, me just going and eating, th- you know, just to, to please my palate. Just to, to just give me the dopamine. sport. Yeah. As a, as a sport as a way to pass the time, as a way to hide all the yucky feelings. Mm-hmm. There was no gratitude about no. that food. It's hard to imagine sitting down with, with gratitude for the farmer, for the distributor, for mm-hmm. the shopkeeper, for the rain, for the wind, for the soil, and being a glutton and binging. It just it feels like they don't They don't together. connect, right, yeah. Yeah. That's very powerful. And you can imagine the gratitude I feel for the food I eat. I don't know. Maybe you can't. But I was in a dark place in my life, man. I was in a very, very heavy place in my life. And and I'm not talking about when I was 420 pounds. I'm really talking about when I was 320 pounds. And I had lost 100 pounds and it looked very evident. To me, imminent that I was going to put the weight back on because because all of a sudden things were going really badly, and this yeah, is things just... were going really badly. The food that I was using, I had gone low. I was doing low carb to lose that first hundred pounds. So then, inside of low carb. You do all sorts. I still was able to misbehave with all of my ways, with all of the meats and the cheeses. And then you go, oh, well, fried. As long as it's meat, it's fried. And then those, so those low-carb sort of rules get laxed. And when that get, when those got laxed, and that, that environment, eating that way, that really stalled my weight loss. And I actually started to put some weight back on. And for me, when I, when I started, we, we all know the story of how it came about with me and Scott Jerick and wanting to become a runner and all of that stuff. And so all of those things happened in my life to help me move 
my dietary pattern to a more plant-based diet. And for the first time in my life, after I did that, I felt like the weight was never coming back. You know, I felt like, I felt, I felt freed. I felt simplified. I felt lighter. And, and so as time moved on, like, not only do I enjoy eating a plant-based diet, but I am very, very, very grateful for how it has changed my life in a positive way. I never imagined the food I eat would make such a difference in my life. It's so hard to explain to people. It's very, very, it's very frustrating to not be able to thoroughly communicate that to someone that trust me, I am who you are, right? I was exactly that person. You have no idea. I can't explain to you how good it feels. I wish I could, I wish I could say something compelling enough to get people to really understand why I'm so grateful. You know, and I've I've seen your gratitude. You know, I, I had the privilege mm-hmm. of being with you when you met. T. Colin Campbell oh, gosh. and Caldwell Esselstyn. Yes. Like I'm standing right next to you as you meet these guys and I can see, yeah. you know, you're, you're having trouble containing your heart and your chest for the gift they have given you. Yeah. It's beautiful. Not just me, because you got to remember, Howie, the things I learned from those people really helped us helped us have an amazing last three or four years with my Bam Bam. It helped my mom have more capacity to deal with that situation as a live-in caretaker with him because she was also on that same plant-based diet and she was feeling more agency and capacity and losing weight as well. And Bam Bam was losing weight and leaving the hover around behind and walking more and so it's not just about me having gratitude for the weight that has helped me lose but I have gratitude for the extra years I know I'm going to have with the people I love very much barring some crazy accident we're not setting the table for sorrowful chronic diseased chronically diseased endings to our life you know and that is powerful because we were on a completely different trajectory for most of my life and things are different now and I am immensely grateful for for that and it's funny like you you wouldn't see you know a bullet point on the sales letter for some plant-based program or book like this will help you cope better with your with caretaking your demented parents yeah no exactly right and yet yeah like that's the that's the messy stuff of life like like i mean i'm just i know some of your stories sure like, like there's nature coming back in yeah i mean in gross in gross form though you know sure you can't talk about it in polite company necessarily sure. but it's like oh we've done all this stuff nature's gonna win yeah like the you know the the vines are gonna retake the city yep yep and and to be able to you know to be with a loved one as they you know, we're all going to decompose somehow at some mm-hmm. rate but you know to have him on plants to have him have vitality mm-hmm. um, you know imagine like like nature comes in and a much and, and takes what's it takes what is hers sure reclaims the matter the organic matter in a much more gentle dignified way agreed Exactly. There's no doubt in my mind that if we hadn't helped Bam Bam shift over to the diet, to 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 a plant-based diet um, in the last four or five years of his life, I really doubt very seriously that he would have died peacefully in his own bed, in his own house at home. I think he would have died probably a lot sooner, and I think it would have been 
a lot more dramatic and a lot more tubes poking out of them and a lot more, you know, um, defibrillators and things of that nature. And so, yeah, yes, he's, yes, he ultimately died anyway. Of course, none of us are going to live forever. He spent a long period of his time completely like he was trying to destroy his body. We spent four years doing it the other way. So it's not like you can reverse everything, right? But we were able to keep him at home because he had lost 200 pounds, you know. We were able to keep him at home. We were able to get him off of a lot of his medications that he didn't need anymore. Get him out of his wheelchair. And really kind of shot ourselves in our, in, in, in our own foot a little bit because now he's so physically mobile <laughs> he might disappear on you or he can punch you in the face when you're trying to give him a shower or you know so those those were some struggling moments um but ultimately yeah it was really cool to be able to kind of give him a give him a, a little uptick there at the end and then we were talking at lunch about the, these two words longevity and you Posited a different goal for human life, which is authenticity, authenticity as, a, as opposed yeah. to longevity. So yeah. maybe we'll take us out by uh, yeah. talking about that. Yeah, so we we get caught up in the numbers of just how many years we can live, like as if that's the the end all be all. And you know, I mean, you can live to be ninety or hundred years old in the last twenty years of your life. You can be held up. You can be propped up by procedures and 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 pharmaceuticals and live a terribly unhappy, low quality, inauthentic version of a human life. And I think it's a hell of a lot more admirable or whatever you want to call it to live for authenticity rather than quantity of years. You know, what sort of organism am I? What am I? Why did I get evolved onto this planet? What is what purpose do I serve? You know? And to be able to live that life, whether it means I die at 45 years old because I got hit by a Big Mac truck running down the road trying to get ready for an ultra marathon or Or, you know, get killed by a lion in the Comrades, Mar- Comrades Marathon in South Africa, right? I would much rather be living in an authentic existence and be snapped from it due to some acute thing than to be, to just barely keep death away while living with chronic disease for 10 or 15 years. So, and you you might win. You might get to ninety, and I might get hit by. I might fall off of the fall off of mosquito pass on my sixtieth birthday. Who cares? Who cares? You know, I think that's a lot more beautiful way to go than your tenth year of being a cardiovascular patient, and then you know you get pneumonia and die. Or something. Yeah, because yeah, there's a real difference between what's normal and what's authentic. Mm-hmm. So you know, in order to figure out what's authentic, we can't look to other humans. Yeah. Really, we can't. I mean, there's some that we can. Yeah, not the ones that are readily available to look at. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, this is about my last call back to, to Philip Shepard. He said, like, when you look at nature, one of the things, like everything in nature, is in service. Yeah. And we think we, you know, human beings can be exempt from that. Like everything has to be in service to me. The animals in the feedlot have to be in service to me. The fish in the sea have to be in service to me. The yep. wind has to be in service to me. If, you know, I, I, so I'll, I'll be green and go, you know, wind power mm-hmm. and solar power. Everything has to be in service to me, but I'm in service to nothing yep. but myself. And I think there's, there's ways in which when we move towards this life, we naturally... We, it would hurt too much to not be of service. Right. It'd be like damming something up. It'd be like this. <laughs> you know, we'd be we'd just explode with 
with good, we, you know, we couldn't. We'd ha- we have to pass it on in order sure. to not stagnate. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and that's a, that's a, uh, I've never thought of that in my life. I'm just, until listening to, to Rich Roll, he talked an awful lot about being of service. And it made so much sense to me, and it felt so right. It felt like such a groove. It was so, something that I had really watched my grandmother do my whole life. As I look back, you know, she would help constantly, always wanting to, even if it meant she had to hide it from my grandpa because he, because Bam Bam wouldn't think it was a good idea, right? She was always ready to give, always ready to be of service. And that that feels that feels right. She was a very religious lady, and um, I'm not a religious I'm not a religious man at all. But I do I do feel just as spiritual and passionate about being of service to others as my grandmother did. There's no doubt. Yeah, you know, for me, one one way of being of service is to to try to embed myself in virtuous cycles. Sure. So like just, you know, it doesn't seem like much, but just saying no to our industrial food system as much as I can. Yes. feel like, mm-hmm. like, you know, like was it, um, you know, you want to save animals? First thing you can do is stop eating them. But, <laughs> yeah. What's uh, uh, my fr- our friend uh, in South Africa, Zimbabwe, uh, Damien Mander. Oh yeah, he's like you know he's he's like a sniper who who protects uh, endangered species. Is the first thing you could do to want to save animals is stop eating them. Stop putting them in your mouth. That's exactly right. <laughs> right. So there's, there's I mean there's lots of ways to be of service by just allying ourselves with nature process yes. rather than than human profit driven process. Yes. Yeah. It's a cleaner way to live. Yes, you'll be a little dirtier, a little more bruised. Your nipples may bleed from time to time. You might have more scabs on your body. But God damn, is it more fun and fulfilling and magnetizes you, draws you to the right people to be around. It's wonderful. I'm just, you know, happy to be where I've accidentally wound up. (laughs) Yeah. Very grateful. All right. Well, I'm grateful uh, to have you here. It's a it's a beautiful time of year, and it's awesome to to walk the the garden paths and uh, and, and and share it and see it through your eyes too. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a treat. The hospitality has been amazing, and um, had a wonderful night's sleep. <laughs> Looking forward to coming back and visiting and and uh, doing some more of this stuff, man. You've become a very, you know, I, I remember listening to you on Ritual's podcast. And I remember reading about, reading whole. And um, it's just really neat to think that you have become not only a very good friend, but a mentor and somebody that I look up to in a big way. So I'm very grateful for you as a human being, as a person, and all of your family as well. Um, so thank you. Well, and, th- and thank you. I was already doing plants, but thank you for the gift of running. Yeah, because it's it's it was a missing piece. So good. I'm uh, glad I could help. <laughs> you you and your family mentored me as well. I I had your mom and your brother on the podcast yeah. th- three weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, I'm enriched by uh, by all of you. They're awesome. So appreciate it, buddy. All yeah. right, let's turn this thing off. All right. All right, let's hear it for Josh. Let's hear it for nature. Let's hear it for face-to-face conversations. I, I love podcasting via phone and Skype. I really love sitting down with people in person. You might have uh, caught the conversation last week with Emma Passe, where I drove out to Charlotte with the portable rig. And this episode in which Josh comes to me, it's really nice to have a human connection. I guess it has something to do with, with nature, right? So these... Uh, Phone and Skype calls, while they they are some kind of connection, there's there's an artificiality to it as well. Whereas being in the presence of another organic human body, uh, where you get all sorts of signals that the brain doesn't necessarily process digitally, 
um, I think leads to to deeper conversation. So here's here's to all of us to uh, to getting out of our offices, to getting away from our screens and having real conversations, real interactions with with other other human bodies and not just human voices and uh, digitized images. So if you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast and you would like to support the mission of the show, the absolute easiest thing you can do is subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to do more than that, a quick reminder that this show is free for everyone and it's supported by those who can afford to. And I'm still the principal person who is supporting this show. You may have noticed that there is zero advertising. It's just me doing my thing. Um, obviously, there's lots of benefits that accrue to me from doing this show, from learning a ton to making all sorts of great connections to to building some degree of influence in in the world. Um, but in terms of financial rewards, uh, this is most still mostly an output uh, rather than an input. I'm getting close to about $700 a month in Patreon patronage, which uh, if you do, if you tripled that would pay for for my time um, and the hard expenses of running this show as well. So if you'd like to participate in supporting and underwriting this mission, you, you get a couple of things. If you do that on Patreon, you can just go to patreon.com and search for plant yourself, or you can go to the plant yourself website. And on the right sidebar, there's a Patreon button. Um, the, the biggest bribe is you get access to all of my healthy habit huddles. And at, at every level, you get access to those, even if it's just a dollar a month. Um, second thing you get is if you like, I will say your name very rapidly as part of the thanks at the end of every show. You can listen, listen for that as well. And imagine me saying, you know, your name here at the very end. Um, and the third thing you get is that that feeling of knowing that you are contributing. Um, it's the feeling I get the warm fuzzy I get every single time I post a new episode or hear feedback from someone whose life has been improved by the show. And uh, if you haven't experienced it, I invite you to try it out. So you can just go to Patreon and become a supporter and help this show spread its wings and help, um, you know, even out the, the burden on me. And we can make this a whole community effort. So in garden news, the theme of this week is attack of the killer zucchinis. I mean, seriously, these are these are little league baseball bats because we went away uh, Mia and I went away to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine corporate roundtable uh, for four days, and no one was there to defend the garden from ever-growing zucchini. And so I would say we must have a good 60 pounds on our kitchen counter right now. If you live near me, uh, drop me a line and we can, uh, we can get you some. The blueberries are also coming in about... I would say two pounds a day right now. So if that continues for another couple of weeks, we'll be all set through the winter for uh, and into the spring for our frozen blueberries and other things that are growing. Of course, the basil and um, the tomatoes are beginning to give a hint that they may turn red and become delicious as well. In running news, no running this week, just walking, although I did when I was walking on the beach um, at ACLM, I was passed by Dr. Veggie, Ted Barnett of Rochester Lifestyle Medicine Institute, and I couldn't help myself. I turned around and ran with him for a couple of miles. So I wasn't completely run free, but I'm still working on healing the heel, healing that right heel of plantar fasciitis. All right. So thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use Sabali Don, the Dance of Peace, as the theme music for this show. You can find out more about Will and listen to more of his music at willridenour.com. That's R-I-D-E-N-O-U-R, willridenour.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Here we go. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hadley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Scharf, Tina Ahern, Jan Volkanovsky, David Bizek, Mysterious Michelle X, Elspeth Feldon, Victoria Dolomanova, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Julianne Rollins, Stu Donlick, Sarah Durkis, Ramos the Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Fronchick, Jeanette Bedham. 
Gil Assert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Thunderbrook, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nicker Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry Arsters, and Laverty, the Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corcoran, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch of Plant Happy Oregon. Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Coble, Shell Rublin, Julian Watkins, Reed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rolls, Linda Ayat, Julie Lang, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzan Wak, Honey Hainline, Erin Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva Lael, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Cherry Olakoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Mirani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans. Colleen Harrison, Justine Divot, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Casilla, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Picorni, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, Bill Elf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullish, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Joan Borstein, and Diana Goldman. And your name here? For your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. So if you appreciate the Plant Yourself podcast and would like to help support the mission of the show, there's a few easy ways to do it. One is to just go to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Let other people know about it. Give us some stars. Give us some love. And that really helps us be found by more people. Something else, of course, you can do is let someone know about this podcast, someone uh, who you think would benefit. Send them maybe a couple of episodes that you think would uh, pique their interest or just uh, ask them to subscribe in general. And third, you can join arms and become a patron, a financial supporter of this show. You may have noticed that there's no advertising in the show and it's free for everyone and it's supported, paid for by those who can afford it. So if you would like to make a one time contribution or an ongoing monthly pledge, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. All right. Time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Strong Fronsek, Jeanette Benham, Gil Assert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, Gio and Carol Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Thunderbrook, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The equally mysterious Tracy Z of Eva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harpers and Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, The Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon, Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzumak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis. Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, and Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divot, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan. Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, Abedible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>